Don't you just hate it when you meet somebody and you think you're hitting it off, but then they cut off communication, and you're left thinking, what did I do wrong? We're not talking about the jungle that is the dating world. No, today we're talking about ghosting in the workplace. Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day. All right. Hello. Welcome back and good morning because it's one of our very rare weekend early morning editions. John, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm actually home alone today. The, the wife is out and I'm in a different room today. It's just me and the dog, so uh, I figured why not try it from the, the living room couch. It's good that she trusts you and the dog to be home without being crated. Uh, I don't yeah. know how big a John crate would have to be. Well, though. I'm usually the one who goes in the crate. Daisy has free roam. <laughs> She's the one watching. Make sure you don't do anything stupid. Right, yeah. I mean, rightfully so. I, I am a 30-year-old man. So well, How's how's the new digs for recording? It's 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 I'm digging it. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 fun. I'm on the couch. Daisy's right here next to me. So this is a new experience. Well, I'm not in a new room yet, but uh, this is my big moving week. So right now it's a, it's a Sunday morning. I will be packing up everything on my desk, all my recording equipment, computer. It's all going in a box right after you and I are done here today, and going to the new house where I am moving in. Very exciting. Very exciting. I, I know. Have have we talked about it on the pod? I think we've we've mentioned that you're moving, but I don't this know. This is probably the most detailed conversation we'll have. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a, I must have. It's a bigger house, right? It's a bigger house, and I think the the main point for my wife. I'm very loud. I'm very loud when I'm on the phone at work. The current house is a very open floor plan, so she literally cannot get far enough away that she doesn't hear me. <laughs> so in the new house, I'm going to have an office. In the basement, so there's going to be many walls and doors between me and the house. So hopefully, I'll be quieter for her. That's that's the idea. That's that's where we're going. So we'll see how the acoustics sound in the uh, in the new recording office. Well, funny you mention that because I'm sure your voice just reverberates around the existing house. Yes. Kind of like a ghost in the house, wouldn't you say? Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> you just did my work for yeah, me. How do you like that? Pre-intro of the topic. I like it. Keeping it. All right. <laughs> As far as corporate tit-for-tat arguments go, few are as hotly contested as the concept of hiring and quitting etiquette. Center stage today, how communication can or should happen between employer and employee. Here's an example that anyone who's hunted for a job will know probably very well. 77% of job seekers say employers ghosted them during the interview process and even after a verbal offer was made which goes hand in hand with the 28% of job seekers who felt perfectly fine pulling the same tricks on hiring managers. And how about the idea of dropping the two weeks notice thing before leaving a job since, hey, companies don't give you the same courtesy before pink slipping your butt back out the door. What's up with all the ghosting? Why's everybody doing it? And in the grand corporate calculus, is ghosting away from an uncomfortable situation more damaging than we think? 
So before we get going in the corporate side of ghosting, John, have you ever either ghosted or been ghosted in your pre-marriage life in the dating scene? I, I, I was I was trying to think through if I could think of a specific example. And I guess I'm very fortunate that I don't have uh, an example to share with everyone. That being said, I mean, middle school, high school, probably even college, did the whole uh, impersonal sending a text message to break up with somebody. So that's just as shitty. <laughs> I actually have one. I have one story here. Uh, and I was actually the ghost or ghoster person being the ghost. Um, not intentionally. It, it was actually just me not knowing, I guess, dating process, dating etiquette later in life. The backdrop here, I was with my ex-wife for seven years. So we had been together since the thousands, the 2000s. Now, is that seven years total or was that seven years dating before you got married? Seven years total. Actually, it was seven years from the time we started dating to when we finished a divorce eerily almost exactly it was like in october to october seven years later it was because they say it's a seven year itch like you're with somebody that long i was explaining that concept to rachel the other day funny you mentioned that she had she had not heard that no we're on we're on year six so we just got to get through the next year (laughs) it was like clockwork for me man it was like oh seven years i'm done all right uh moving on but when i moved on i didn't necessarily know the way people Dated and communicated in the uh, in the post smartphone post text heavy. I never really even texted very heavy. The only reason I ever got a smartphone is because my ex wife felt embarrassed that I still had. I guess what uh, phone companies call a legacy phone, where it's just like you know the the one from you know Nokia from 1998. <laughs> uh, so I was never a really big texter. Never did a lot on my phone because I didn't have one. Actually, fun fact: I went from a Samsung S3 to a Samsung S9, and those are the only two smartphones I've ever owned. So anybody out there That's- who gets a new one every year, not me. I I've owned several Samsung. Uh- of the S models. I, I don't think I ever made that large of a jump in, <laughs> in one eye opening. It's a big difference. Six generations later. Yeah. 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 But, uh, so when I reentered the dating world and didn't really understand anything, met up with uh, a charming young lady, went on a date. Uh, I thought it went very well. Apparently she did too. Sent me a text message saying, Hey, I had a great time. We should definitely, uh, connect again. And I got the message. I said, Cool. I'll call her later. And then I just didn't respond for uh, about a week. And then the next weekend came around and I'm like, hey, you want to get together? And not necessarily happy that I guess you're supposed to respond to those messages relatively quickly. I thought because it was a text, it was like a non-priority, non-urgent thing. Just like a note, right? I guess I'm wrong. No. Yeah. No, it's it's different now. Yeah. Oh, I know that <laughs> so now. You got the text. And didn't respond back. Like, you didn't say, hey, I had a great time, too. You just, like, let it sit. <laughs> I, just, I just let that sucker sit. No, I responded, like, five or six days later to try to set something up. Because I thought it was just, like, a logistics thing, right? Text, I don't know. I, you know what, all you, I had to do, all I had to do was, hey, I had a great time, too. Looking forward to it. That probably would have been enough. Yeah, no, that's, I was just about to say, yeah, that would have been enough. And you need to think of this in terms of a job interview. Would you go in an interview and not send a thank you note? Right, that's that's a great point. And I wish past Brian had known that. And hopefully future Brian won't need to know it. Hopefully I'm in the last marriage I'll be in. 
Yeah, I don't think it'll be an issue for future Brian. I, I'm I'm optimistic and hopeful. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for segueing yet again, uh, bringing up job interviews because that's really where we're going today. Is ghosting in the workplace? Uh, and I don't really have a lot of notes prepared today. I don't have these you know traditional Brian statistics package to roll out in today's episode. This is really kind of a gut check reaction from something that happened not directly to me, but me adjacent at my job. So in terms of ghosting, really two uh, two types I want to talk about today. One is ghosting during the interview process, and the other is ghosting actually when you have the job, when you've been an employee for either a long or short amount of time. We have a team that uh, they're pretty small, but pretty important. And when those two things are combined, it's basically creating a process bottleneck, right? Everything kind of waits on this very small group. And God bless her, the uh, the one person who's kind of the ringleader, kind of in charge of everything, she's working 60, 80-hour weeks and is super, super stressed. Now, she has a subordinate who helps her with a really key function and is probably the only reason that she's not pulling her hair out and putting herself in a straitjacket going crazy on the job. Monday morning rolls around, and he did not. He was not here. He decided over the weekend, this is too much. We need more people. We're not getting them. So I'm out. And no notice, uh, no word of warning. The only time this woman found out that she was down one very, very critical resource was the day it happened. So how did he formally acknowledge that, yep, I'm, I'm out? Because the topic of today's episode is ghosting. So how, how does that kind of trickle down or how do you acknowledge that on the uh, manager or employer side in this scenario? Yeah, well, I guess it's not ch- like pure true ghosting in the sense that he did send an email that she got day of, but... Gotcha, okay. Yeah, at the same time, I think we're all... I know it's not a law, it's not a rule. Nobody has to give two weeks notice and I think, what, 48 or 49 of these United States, it's uh, em- employment at will. So you can get fired or you can leave with no notice, no reason, no cause. You can you can leave the job with no notice, right? It's just an etiquette that's developed that, hey, when you're leaving, give two weeks so people can get their ducks in a row. Yeah, don't burn any bridges. You never know when you're going to work with these people again. So <laughs> it's better to at least do it with some grace and decorum, I guess, instead right. of just saying middle fingers up, I'm out, y'all. Yeah. So that's the that's the episode today. John, what do you think of this? You know, put yourself in this woman's shoes. She's got a job to do and a, a very hectic one. It's somebody she counted on. What's going through your mind? Oh, I am shitting a brick if if I'm in her position. I am I, I don't know how I recover from that aside from just taking on all of the extra work myself or whoever's available and saying we got to get through this and the problem with that mindset is is it's self-preservation in the current where we also need to be thinking ahead now to fill this role so the fact that you don't have any type of notice not that we can get somebody hired in two weeks in most scenarios but just knowing that I have at least some type of runway or you know lead time to work against gives me a little bit more peace of mind and an opportunity to strategize so being on the receiving end of that sounds like a like a fate worse than death at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I think the interesting thing here also, 
There's a short term, which I think is where your mind immediately went, oh my God, what am I going to do this week, this month to recover? There's also the longer term too. So these people on her team, let's just say it's a five-person team, now it's a four-person team. Those four people have to absorb that remaining role. It's one thing to say, man, now I got to figure out how I'm going to span this gap until we hire somebody. But the longer term question that would be going through my mind is, are we going to hire somebody, right? Especially in this economy where it's not as hard to get a job as it used to be. It's a, it's a buyer's market for jobs. It's not the seller's market it had been. Might turn around. Sounds like recession might be headed our way. I'm not an economist. I'm not going to comment there. But do I even know as a member of her team if we're going to replace that headcount? I don't even know if it's in the budget if I'm not a manager, right? I And I have seen scenarios just like that to where somebody quits and you don't replace that role. We, we've we experienced it probably more than once in our lives, you and sure. I, at least in terms of you know our, our working lives or careers. I, yeah, I, I don't know how to respond to that if you aren't necessarily the manager or the decision maker who can say, we do have the budget to fill this role or I can open a rec for this role. What do you do if you're the teammate and you can't have any type of say other than, I think this sucks. We are now overloaded. I'm going to start looking elsewhere too now. Exactly. That That's the issue. It's this deteriorating downward spiral. One person leaves if they're not almost immediately picked back up. And how could they be if they just kind of leave no notice? Very likely other team members will too because they have a lot of extra strain and they don't have a crystal ball to know if or when they're going to get that relief. So now you have people leaving and leaving and... I don't know. It's it's not a good position for her to be in. It's not a good position for the rest of us who rely on her team to do their thing. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I could say. <laughs> now, to be fair, because we are not a corporate show, we're a show for employees, I do want to take a step back and say, I don't necessarily think it's always unjustified, right? I'm not this manager. I'm not her subordinate. I don't know all the things that what's going through his mind, what he has in his life. But I, I, if you're in a high-stress job, if you're working many, many hours a week, I mean, we've promoted on this show very often, don't spend 80 hours in your office because work should never be more important than family, friends, self, right? So I don't know that it's always unwarranted. So I guess the next question I would have for you is there a scenario where you would walk out from a job, like just not two weeks, just say, you know what, I'm done. This is my official notice right now. Friday afternoon, I will not see you Monday. I think it's a fantasy a lot of us have. <laughs> just being able to say, I'm done. See you later. I'm fed up. I want to walk Like out. literally whip it out and piss in the boss's cornflakes on the way out. Right, yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just whipping out that big old hog and just... <laughs> Um, but I don't know if I would ever do it. I, I've, I've fantasized about it, but I, there's always a fear in me to where, what do I do? What would, what would be my next steps? What would be my recourse? I'm, I'm not confident enough that I could be self-employed in the interim, uh, to where I, I I'm job hunting is so difficult, or at least it used to be to your point earlier. It's a, it's a buyer's market now, but the thought of having to find a job when you don't have one is frightening, and it's something I don't ever want to have to experience. But I would say there is probably a line I would draw. I just don't know what that line is right now. 
Yeah, and th- this is why screw you money, by the way, is so important. I've always had a pretty good bank of screw you money. I refer to myself as quite frugal. Uh, my wife and others just use the phrase cheap bastard. But I- I've I've always had at least a reserve of just screw you money in case the need ever arose. Or not even screw you money, just defense fund in case I happen to lose a job and, and needed money for rent, food, expenses, otherwise. See, I have something similar, but it wouldn't last me very long at all. And I think that's where the difference is to where your your little pile of money, if it could last you longer than a month, that to me is enough time to where I could at least have a plan to where I'm, I'm hopefully having a job lined up. If I could last a month, I would be like, okay, maybe I would consider just walking out the door. But I think realistically, you probably should have like three months saved up if you're really going, if, if you're job hunting, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's relatively simple math with big implications. How much money do you need a month and how long in your particular industry does it take to find a job, right? If it's going to yeah. be three months, I need three months of however much money it costs a month to live. Uh, so it's it's not hard math to figure out how much screw you money you need. It's but it's still kind of scary to think you have to rely on it. And there's always going to be expenses that are going to pop up that you aren't able to anticipate. Let's just say you do decide to walk away and you're now living off of that bank of money. Well, the air conditioning goes out or something that isn't covered by insurance happens and you now need to shell out a couple grand. That totally changes the dynamic, and that's my fear. When we're talking about this, we're both being kind of defensive strategy. I have an excuse. All right, I'm I'm of the millennial vintage where I graduated and w- entered the workforce into the recession, the first recession, that recession about what like twenty some years ago, uh, and then I entered really the kind of the peak performance years during this whole COVID thing. And this another eventual recession. So people in my cohort were used to being and playing a bit defensively because the job market at the key milestones in our lives are rocky at best, right? So what's your excuse? I think you graduated a few years later when things are kind of getting on on the up and up, maybe not all the way there, but getting better. So I was in school during the recession, so a lot of the conversation around what are you going to do when you get out of school and what what is going to be your next steps were built around paranoia a little bit uh, because we didn't know how it would rebound or what it would look like. Yeah, it, it is a little bit uh, more promising when I when I did graduate. Uh, the the market was a little bit better, and I've been fortunate that I've been able to find a career when I did. That being said, I am a very uh, scared person when it comes to taking huge financial <laughs> risks. So that's my excuse. <laughs> I also did go. just kind of uh, accept uh, 30 years worth of debt, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that does change your thinking too, right? The, the more cemented you are. And it's not just a 30-year debt. It's also the marriage that you're in. Uh, to a yep. lesser extent, Daisy. And to, uh, yeah. I'm not going to pry into uh, into your plans on the show, but I don't know if kids are in your future, but also very real consideration and things that plant you down at a job. Yeah, no, and I, yes, yeah, the world knows that no, we're, we're, we're going to have children, I think. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a big fear and concern of mine. Yeah. I couldn't just walk away and not have any type of income if we're having children. Yeah. But that being said, like I said, it's it's not 
complicated math. It's just scary and uncomfortable to think you have to rely on it to build up that nest egg. And the other side of this, well, I don't have a job where I can save up that much money. Well, that's your first issue then. If, If the job you're working in today doesn't afford you enough money to pay your expenses and save up into a screw you fund, well... Maybe it's time to look for a new job just for that. You're you're not in a place of security in your job today. That means you're beholden to your boss in perpetuity. I mean, they can treat you like garbage and you don't really have much recourse because you don't have that screw you money. Now, that's the first half of uh, what you mentioned. I want to go back to something else you said about burning bridges as well, because this is something I hear it a lot. I hear it as a reason that you should give two weeks and I at least personally, I've never actually experienced it. And what I mean by that is when I've looked for jobs, I've job hopped quite a bit because, again, graduated in a recession and companies I worked for were small and went under and had to find a new job that went under and kind of same thing over and over again a few times. Every time I've looked for a job, I'm going to say 80% of the jobs I've had, they're not me going and cold calling a new opportunity. It's me talking to people in my network, right? And I, I never put as much time as I should have into building a like a job network, but the little meager one that I had has always done the job, right? It's always gotten me a new role when I've needed it. So I've never really had to interview fresh. And the other thing, my career has kind of spanned a little bit, right? I went from sales to marketing to procurement. I haven't worked in one industry and I haven't worked in a small niche industry to the point where if I ghosted and left a bad taste in my employer's mouth, that would get around to anybody of of relevance, right? So is it really as much of a concern as we all think it is that we're burning a bridge? I would counter that slightly. I I, I don't disagree. I think there is there's a narrative around not burning bridges when in reality, I may never cross paths with that person again. But if you do ghost or you do just walk out, can you put that company on your resume? Are you allowed to do that in the sense do you want them to check your employment status there and still be in good standing? Now, I don't know the ins and outs of the HR and recruiting world and kind of verification, but I think all you can do is just verify that somebody worked there. So if you ghosted them, I don't think they can withhold that information saying, no, they didn't work here, right? So I actually do have a story here as well. Um it's funny you bring that up. I didn't think about this until you mentioned it. Uh, in an old role, so I used to, uh, like I said, I was in sales for a bit. And at the height of my sales career, I was managing a group of about eight salespeople. And I was hiring. And I was going through reference checking for an applicant. And I think, I, I don't know if it's if it's this way legally or or what, but the rule of thumb I was always told was, People aren't allowed to badmouth past employees or, or really talk about what they were doing on the job because it could be interpreted as libel or slander, depending on the, the medium, right? So if anybody ever did a employee reference check and the only things that the person says is they started this date, they ended this date, that's kind of code for this is a bad hire without actually saying this is a bad hire. That I, I would believe that. I mean, if you're not willing to say much more, uh, you're 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 meeting the bare minimum of what you're required to do legally. I would think. Right. So on one hand, I so I was I was doing reference checks for this one uh, candidate, and the first two she provided did that for me. They're like, she started this date, she ended that date. That's all I'm going to say, and that was the end of the conversation. And the last one, 
The last one actually went so far as to break that little code of conduct and just started unloading on me like, yeah, she was really unreliable. She would no call, no show, and she was kind of spotty in work ethic and this. And I'm like, wow. First of all, going out on a limb, telling this to somebody if there is the possibility of libel or slander. So uh, clearly it must have been bad if they were okay with that. But second, why... Why in the hell would this woman put this reference in for reference checking? Like, she had to know this person was not enthused by her, right? That sounds like, yeah, just a bad, poor judgment on her part. Yeah, yeah. Needless to say, I did not hire her. Um, But, yeah, that's, that's really the only thing I can think. But if you're just calling to check employment history and it's not a legit reference check, I, I guess I wouldn't expect more than that, right? Let's let's put yourself in the shoes of, I don't know, like IBM, right? Uh, you're HR for IBM. You have thousands and thousands of employees. Somebody calls for a reference check for uh, Jim or Joe or Jane Schmo, who you don't know personally, never met, works in a different state, you're never going to meet them. Yeah, you could say, oh, yeah, they worked here this to that date, but you don't know anything else about them, right? So I, I guess for the point of proving work history, that's all you're going to get. So it's not really burning a bridge necessarily because the people that are answering that call, the HR people who don't know you potentially, can't say anything more either way. I Yeah, that I agree. I think on the counter, the flip side of that, this is me being the ever the, the diplomat and optimist will say is, yes, I agree on that take there. But thinking it from the other side, if we use somebody as a reference or not even use somebody as a reference, but I want to still be in good standing with a larger company that I worked for. And the example I give is when I first started with the company you and I worked for, uh, our senior vice president knew my old boss's boss. So I didn't necessarily know this person or work with this person uh, directly very often, but I knew them well enough to where it was like, oh, you know so-and-so. Me too. Oh, you used to work there 20 years ago. Uh, At the very least, it got me an in with this, uh, this person to have a build rapport and have a conversation. Uh, whereas if I wasn't necessarily in good standing or I felt bitter, or I, you know, walked out, I'm, I'm probably not going to volunteer that information, but that's, it's, that's a personal preference. And I don't think there's really a, a, a moral to that story aside from if you are ghosting, you probably don't want to bring up somebody's name if you piss them off or pissed <laughs> off their department. Right now we're, we're kind of nicely transitioning into talking about employment and, and hiring for jobs and, John, this is like you're batting three for three on transitioning this call nicely. Yes. So thank you for I'm that. Hit, I'm going for the cycle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but since we're on that topic, uh, in terms of candidacy, right, I'm a, I'm a job seeker. I think that 77% statistic has been true for me. I'm sure it's been true for you. You've had jobs you've applied to that put the resume in, have a couple interviews, and you hear nothing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say even more so in the initial like first pass uh, as far as getting past that screening. I can't even tell you how many times I've never even gotten an email back that they received my application or anything like that. Granted, more automated at that point. But I do love the emails that I get like eight months or a year and a half later saying, oh, we're no longer uh, in consideration for this role. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, what role? I forgot. <laughs> We got to talk to Andy about that because uh, a lot of a lot of HR process around hiring not great, not great from the tech side. But yeah, so I've, I mean, I've been in the same position. I'm sure everybody listening has been in that position as well. And I think, at least for me, it, it feels 
a bit more okay me doing it to uh, a recruiter as well for the same reason, right? They're going to do it to me. I have no problem doing it back. Have you ever ghosted on uh, a potential job offer before? I have, and it was probably one of my first uh, big boy jobs, we'll say, that I was interviewing for. Um, it, it was one of those jobs where it was advertised as one thing, and then you get there, and it's like, yeah, you're going to have to do door-to-door stuff as well. Ah, uh, Yeah, not for me. So, uh, How is that still an industry? Interview, right? I don't know. But went on the interview, had a really good rapport with the uh, the recruiter. He was like, I think you could do really well here, all of this. Oh, that sounds great. And then I went home, thought about it, and I was like, yeah, they're, they're trying to sell me a, you know, a, a sale of goods that I'm not looking to buy. It's, I, I, can, I can start to see the cracks and the veneer starting to show. So I basically just never called him back, and he left me a voicemail. Um and I think I eventually maybe sent him an email. Like, I'll, after leaving, like, several voicemails, I was like, listen, I'm not interested. But I was just going to not call back <laughs> at any point if he would stopped giving up on the calling. Yeah. I've only had this happen to me once. And I, I, me too. It was very early in my career. And I got uh, a job. I got a job offer. Actually, I think I accepted it too, now that I think about it. I got a job offer and accepted a role as an insurance salesperson. I forget what insurance company it was. It's one of the big ones that, you know, if, if I mention the name, everybody knows it. I, I don't remember which one it is, but before they started you, they sent you this giant packet of kind of how to hit the ground running. And a big portion of it was, here's how to annoy friends and families into buying insurance from you. And the whole thing just felt very slimy, very how to alienate your loved ones for the sake of a buck. And... I just wasn't feeling it, right? I just graduated. It was like, uh, there are boundless opportunities out there, plenty of doors that could be opened. I'm not going to start my career in this kind of role. It's just not going to be healthy for me mentally. It's not going to be good for my relationship. So I just flat out didn't show up the first day. I just didn't do it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I think I got a couple of calls and emails. I'm like, nope, not doing it. Not going to do it. And I just found something else and never looked back. But yeah, that was my experience. Well, especially at that age, too, in the type of job it is, I think it sounds like we were both kind of uh, in similar scenarios or situations that they wanted us to, <laughs> to sell, sell, sell. And that wasn't what I was looking to do. I don't feel particularly guilty about that uh, experience because it does feel slightly predatory in the way they're recruiting a little bit. So, I mean... It, shit happens, you know, <laughs> to, to your point earlier, though, if we're all just doing it because the other person's shitty, then I don't know if that's great either. Yes, it's not. It's not a good I guess like you can say it's a good reason, but it's not a good rationalization. Right. It's just because somebody else does something crappy doesn't mean you have to, too. And if we're all just being crappy to each other over and over again, it's not really ever going to get better either. But it is what it is. I think the fact that it's so prevalent uh, definitely on the employer side, but being more and more common on the employee side, I also don't see it going away because it seems like it's becoming the norm. So all in all, uh, those two forms of ghosting, I think there's obviously risks when it comes to the first one, leaving a job, uh, you know, pissing the boss's cornflakes on the way out, no notice when you leave. And we talked about some of those risks. Are there any risks on ghosting during the interview process from your mind, I, I don't see anything outright risky about this part of ghosting. Do you? No. I, uh, it, I, 
the the example I gave was pretty much during the interview process. I had an offer but chose not to accept it. I don't feel strongly that ghosting during the interview process is any different than a recruiter not following up with you after an interview or an email, right? It, it doesn't feel if, – if you make it past the screening portion and you decide, all right, this isn't for me, that's partially what the screening portion's for. It's for them to figure out if you're a good fit, but also an opportunity for you to learn if this is the right fit for you. So, I mean, yeah, I think courtesy would dictate that you might want to send them an email saying I'm no longer – interested but recruiters are out there sending a million bajillion emails a day on different recs i don't think they're going to give too much of a shit to be honest with you i know andy actually has been uh very miffed at people ghosting him um probably because he thought they were strong candidates and was like oh this is gonna be it i'm gonna fill this role but i mean i i guess it depends on how far along you are is it, it would be my I guess where I would draw the line a little bit to where yeah. is it a dick move or not? We got to get Andy back on, and I, I know it's this hard. is a good topic for him. It is maybe we. So here's the deal. Like I said, I'm moving into a new house. I got to have a housewarming anyway. Maybe we have a show housewarming where the three of us all come together and have like a live episode because it's it's hard to do a phone phone call episode with the three of us, but I think in person yep. would be better. It's been a long time since I he's agree. been on the show. I agree, and <laughs> while we're on the topic, uh, the house here for on our end, we, we're starting to get more furniture, so we would definitely be able to record here if you guys are willing to drive a little west. I like the idea. No, I, I'm actually going to be yeah. closer to your you new digs. You should be, yeah. yeah. You should be a lot closer, actually. So we'll we'll talk off <laughs> off recording about specifically where you're at. I'm not trying to dox you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So all in all, going back to the topic, then really the only risk here is when you're leaving the job. It's, we don't really feel it's a risk to to go some the hiring process. And hey, it's so common that you don't know anybody anything anyway. And as far as the risks go for walking off a job with not two weeks notice or maybe no notice at all. Just to recap them, I think the the one that's the biggest threat that we talked about is not having that screw you money nest egg. But like I said, this is very simple calculus, going back and figuring out how much money do you need in your screw you money pile to do it effectively. So I don't think that's really a, a big impediment. It's just going to be a mental impediment to, to feel comfortable relying on a safety net right? You're up in the air on a high wire. It's nice to know the safety net's there. doesn't mean you're comfortable jumping down and falling into it. It's funny. You almost need to plan for the opportunity to be spontaneous and just up and leave your job. Yeah, it's, that's yeah, interesting it's way to put it. it, but you're right. And the other one, I, I don't see this as a, as big an issue as people make out, the whole reputational burning bridges thing. Again, maybe this is anecdotal. It's never been a big deal for me because, again, I've relied on my network. I've changed industries enough that I don't ever see that really biting me. So unless you're in a very niche industry and it's a very small one, I wouldn't worry too much about that. The one thing I do want to worry about when it comes to burning bridges, like I said, I've relied on my network. When I leave a company the way that this person did, the top of the episode, that story about this person just up and quitting on my coworker. That burned a lot of bridges for that person internally. Now, this person I, I mentioned, this this manager working 80 hours a week, she is selfless, right? Part of the reason she works so many hours is because she puts others before herself. If I was ever going to look for a new job and use a reference, she'd be a great one. She would probably help me find a job if I wanted her to. 
that's not the kind of connection I want to lose. So by ghosting on her, I'm definitely burning a network connection that could very well benefit me in future years. So of all the scenarios where kind of ghosting on the job could bite me, the only one that I would really worry about are my immediate coworkers or immediate supervisors, because these are the people, that's not the company that I'm hurting at that point. That's the people that I work with and, and interact with that I'm hurting. And that feels very different to me. Bingo. I, I agree wholeheartedly that that would be the same uh, delineation I would make for, for myself if I were to decide to up and leave one day. So that's everything I have. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to do my my Jerry Springer outro that I've I actually enjoy doing these now. I, I don't know. I, I write something up and I feel I feel very, uh, very important reading over my bulleted list of things to say. So let's see. Can it, it, we'll, we'll figure out if you can edit this. But if you want to um, just uh, layer on top of me, just going, Brian, 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 <laughs> like Jerry's final I, thought. Right. So I'm going to like fade that in slowly. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to raise the the cadence of my voice and get more booming and loud. And I'm going to fade in John saying, Brian. I like it. That'll actually like be nice. You can, you can layer on top of it yourself, too. You can, you can add in your own Brian's, and next thing you know, we have a whole uh, orchestra of just Brian chants. I could, tr- I could change the tempo a little bit so it sounds like there's, like, multiple of each of us. This is yep. this is, this is going to be uh, probably a half hour of my time, but it's going to be <laughs> worth it. I'm calling it in advance. This is going to be great, or it's going to be horrible, but it's happening either way, so... All right, here's, here's, my, here's my Jerry Springer-esque outro for today's episode. Job-related ghosting isn't something we'll reconcile anytime soon. Both sides will continue to justify their own position while dismissing the other. Agreeing to disagree is probably the best we're going to do. So, for a moment, let's forget who's in the right and who's in the wrong. Let's also put aside whether the bad actions of one party excuse like-minded actions from the other. Neither line of thinking will solve either side's problem because it reduces this whole conversation to an eye for an eye mentality, which, as the old saying goes, leaves the whole world blind. Here's another turn of phrase, your chickens will invariably come home to roost, which gets to the real issue as I see it. It's all about respect. If we don't give respect and we don't feel we in turn are respected, when we respect each other, we start to really see each other as human beings who face personal challenges and have needs. When this happens, we act accordingly, and we recognize the damage ghosting can do in the workplace from either side. Easier said than done. If there's one thing I hate, it's the growing sense of commodification in the workplace. People being treated like cogs in a machine, or jobs being treated like short gigs. If people on both sides treat each other with a little more respect, then maybe we wouldn't feel the need to ghost in the first place. But respect is a two-way street. Everyone needs to start recognizing the humanity and inherent value of the people they work with and rely on. All right, well, that's going to do it uh, on today's episode. Maybe either the next one or the one after we'll get together as a big group. Uh, Otherwise, minimally, I'll be in a new recording space. So everybody out there, let me know if uh, the sound quality changes at all. Hopefully it gets better. But uh, we'll see you next week. Well, for that matter, tell me if my sound recording sounded different today because I was in a different room. I was true the couch too. while I was doing this. That's true. You got Daisy watching over you while you're in your in your John Cage recording. <laughs> <laughs>
this was a nice little like Sunday recording session. Actually, I, I really enjoyed it with having the dog here. The sun's coming in. This is nice. There you go. Perfect. We'll do this more often then if we can get up early enough on a Sunday. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time. Daisy!